This is Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And it's fun to have everyone else kind of get a little insight into what we do. Farmland forever. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Cultivating Convos. I am your host, one of them, Brian Levin. Hello, everyone. Megan, also back to host with Brian. How's it going this week? Yeah, I hope you're having a good one. Nice, uh, I don't know, maybe we're transitioning a little to spring-like weather, at least right now. We know Ohio, it will change every five minutes. But He's uh, jinxed, he's jinxed yeah. us, folks. Snowstorm of the century coming up next week. You, uh, <laughs> you heard it here first. But no, we're, we're excited for spring to be sprung and get outside, whether you're on the farm and uh, the workplace right now. And uh, yeah, just get back to doing, I think, what we love because we're all kind of cooped up inside right now. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, I do think it's going to hit 50 at some point in the week we are recording this podcast so that will be a nice bit of fresh air i think yeah hopefully it's nice and not just a tease and then like i said we jinx us but uh there's always something going on here at oda throughout all of our divisions uh, last time we were talking to our animal health division about foreign mm -hmm. animal diseases it is an important topic it is something that really affects all of us in one way or another we are keeping that conversation going this weekend and talking about specifically response planning <laughs> The subject's so important, Megan, that we're talking about it for over the course of two podcasts. Foreign animal diseases, I mean, are perhaps one of, if not the most pressing topic when it comes to Ohio producers and agriculture, which is uh, the top industry in the state of Ohio. We appreciate uh, from our animal health division, doctors Christy Sean, Angela Rosper joining us again. Thank you very much. The first question is just, just a little bit of rehashing, Dr. Rosper. You know, foreign animal diseases, it sounds scary. What exactly is it? Yeah, so um, kind of what we talked about on our previous podcast, but you know, we'll go over it again for those of you who are just now joining us. A foreign animal disease is basically one that we, we don't have in the United States or we really don't want to have in the United States. So maybe it might be here we're in the process of trying to um, you know, take care of it and, and get back to our normal status quo. But uh, typically it would be a disease you know, that doesn't currently exist in the United States. And the reason that we don't want it to exist is because it can have a very large impact, whether that be health or just economics, um, to our animal industry and then thus to the whole entire, you know, uh, economics as far as the United States go. And it, it can also have a lot of trade uh, implications that, you know, most people, most, you know, producers don't necessarily think about that as well. So certainly um, those diseases, we we do not want them here. Uh, and we, we take lots of steps to ensure that uh, if we do find them, that we uh, quickly take care of it and, and get them out. Yeah, foreign animal disease, definitely a top priority for ODA. Um, obviously, so much so that we do have uh, response plans in place should uh, some sort of event occur. So, Dr. Shaw, I know that our Division of Animal Health has been um, very involved in, and very busy with avian influenza that uh, unfortunately, you know, is here in Ohio, if you want to talk about just a response plan to to those kinds of events. 
Yeah, thanks, Megan. And so, like you mentioned, we do have a laid out um, response plan to avian influenza, and and uh, and we are also currently working on an African swine fever one, and someday a foot and mouth disease one. And so, um, we have had to unfortunately exercise our plan for avian influenza over the past year, as avian influenza has gone across the the U.S. And so, Ohio is not has not been immune to, to AI. And so just to give everybody an overview of, of what happens uh, when, when we are suspicious of a foreign animal disease or if we find one in Ohio. And so what happens is a producer or a veterinarian might call our office, um, the animal health division here, and the call usually gets routed to me and say, hey, we, we have some sick chickens and or, or some um, a lots of mortality in our chickens, what what should we do? And so at that point, I then usually dispatch one of my field staff and either an inspector or a veterinarian to go to that producer's farm. And I'll kick it off to Dr. Rosberg to say, what do you do uh, when, you, when I send you off on those calls and to go to those farms? Yeah, so um, certainly that is a main part of my job and duty as a field veterinarian is to be available, to be on call, to be knowledgeable um, in the instance where a producer is called into the office or maybe their veterinarian has called into the office to you know, report some suspicious clinical signs of their animal. So um, typically, I'm given the information as far as the producer, the location, a little bit of the history, and I make contact with that producer. It's typically by a phone call and just kind of go over some of those things, get a little bit more detail in the history, you know, what has been going on, you know, have they introduced any new birds or, um, you know, any sort of weird changes or anything like that. And then I usually explain the process, you know, before I get there, just so then they're aware of it. And we're, we're trying to do our best to walk, you know, that producer you know, through the process. Because a lot of times these producers, you know, they've, they've never experienced this before. And so this is all completely new to them. So, um, you know, I, I kind of walk them through the process and then I will go ahead and get any supplies I need and I will head out to that uh, premise, uh, assuming that the producer will be there. We've kind of already set that all up. And because we are suspicious of a possible foreign animal disease, that almost always typically means that we are going to be wearing full PPE or protective uh, personal protective equipment. And I, I give the producer a warning of this because I'm getting out of my truck. I'm wearing a full Tyvek suit. I've got on gloves. I've got on boots. I, you know, like it's like you're not whole... going to Mars, but you are inspecting <laughs> the premises. Kind of, right, exactly. But it can kind of look like that. And so I, I give them a warning and I usually tell them, you know, we want to make sure we're not bringing anything onto your farm. And if, if you were to have something, we don't want to be taking that with us and taking everywhere else. So, you know, out of an abundance of caution, we are going through these extra steps. But I, I want to warn them because otherwise that can be very intimidating. So typically, um, you know, once I've fully suited up, I've got all my supplies, you know, I will again kind of talk to the producer, go over it again. We will go depending on um, what type of producer it is, you know, what we're concerned about. Uh, in the example of uh, high path avian influenza, you know, we're sampling, you know, usually sometimes dead chickens, sometimes very sick chickens. Um, sometimes at that point, all they have left are, you know, seemingly healthy chickens. So it kind of depends. But typically we get there if the producer, in most cases, they're going to have some sort of animal that has passed away. You know, they we're assuming that was you know, very sick, obviously. And so we will typically target 
those animals. And so we can actually take swabs um, from from dead animals, depending on the situation, if it's a freshly dead animal. Uh, if not, then we our next group of our kind of high risk would be sick animals. And so we can take various samples depending, you know, again, on what the disease is, what the concern is for um, HPAI, you know, we'll do uh, oral swabs. And so we'll go get some swabs, so we'll get the samples, and then we take those back, make sure that we are decontaminating um, the outside, you know, samples where, you know, biosecurity is of the utmost importance. And so, um, you know, we're properly taking off our PPE. And depending on the, on the situation, we may or may not issue a quarantine at that point. If it's something where we get there and it's just like red flag after red flag after red flag of being very, you know, concerning and suspicious, you know, we may issue a quarantine at that point just to be on the safe side. Most of the time um, for our samples, you know, so once I leave the the premise and leave the producer um, we are getting those samples to the lab again you know the more red flags we have going off the higher suspicion you know the more that we're going to work of getting those samples to the lab as soon as possible and so typically that means then myself um, or some sort of system being sent up to curry those samples uh, to the lab and oftentimes we will get results back you know within 24 hours and then those will get um, relayed then to the producer. And I would like to mention here that the vast majority of times that we get called out um, to do these investigations, they end up being not detected or negative for those foreign animal diseases. And so I would really encourage producers, you know, that to, if, if you're concerned at all to call, because most likely it's gonna be us coming out there. There's no fee for this testing that we are doing. And then that can kind of give everyone peace of mind, assuming that it is, you know, not detected, you know, then, and then, then they can reach out to their veterinarian. They can work through, um, you know, seeing, you know, m what might be the underlying cause then of the issues, but then we can kind of say, you know, wipe a brow, poof, Okay, it was not, you know, high path in this case, you know, good. Okay, you know, you guys can move on and, and work through that and work it up like a normal case and, you know, everyone can kind of get back to business. Um, but there certainly would be situations where um, that would not be the case, but we do want to get on top of it as quickly as possible. That is a detailed plan. Dr. Osper, <laughs> have... <laughs> have a drink of water, but but we're glad something like this, you know, the steps are in place and there's a process um, because, you know, we know it can take a toll on on everyone and basically whether you're a producer or you work at ODA, you know, you don't want to see this happen. Dr. Charles, I, I was going to ask, you know, is it does it vary year to year uh, cases with these foreign animal diseases? Sometimes it's it up and it's down or, or are we seeing like a positive trend? Yes, um, so especially with highly pathogenic avian influenza, the last big outbreak in the U.S. was in 2015. And even in 2015, Ohio was not involved. It was mostly Western states. And so uh, it, it for avian influenza, it depends on um, how quickly that virus mutates from being in wild birds where it it. it it continually is in wild birds, but what happens is it mutates and becomes highly pathogenic um, and then can affect our, our commercial poultry 
And so for that specific disease, absolutely varies year to year. Now, African swine fever has never been found um, in the US. We would like to keep it that way. Same with foot and mouth disease. And so those ones, um, although we talk a lot about high path in this, it's just because that's the most relatable to us in this given point. And unfortunately, as you can tell by Dr. Rosbert's explanation, we've had a lot of experience with it over the past year. And so, but we can extrapolate a lot of those similar steps to, to be in any species. So. Um, if you have concerns in your cattle and you were to call, we would send out somebody very similar um, and have a very similar response, I guess, to that. And I would say, too, as a part of protocol, and I don't know if Dr. Shaw or Dr. Rosbert wants to answer, but testing is a really big part of um, what we're doing to make sure we have a positive case or or a negative case, I suppose. Yes, and so like Dr. Rosbert said, they would um, take samples in the field and then they would make their way back to our lab here. And, and our lab staff is phenomenal. Um, and so when I dispatch one of my field veterinarians or inspectors to go take the sample, I go ahead and give the lab staff here um, a heads up, the ones that will be running the sample, so they know, oh, there's a high priority case coming in that we need to run those samples as soon as they get here. And so when they're run here in the lab, we then get those results internally, and so they're either negative or the actual other result is non-negative. So our lab doesn't call it a positive. We call it a non-negative. It's just based on nomenclature from the lab. And at that point, there's a protocol in place that those, those samples would then be forwarded on to NVSL or the National Veterinary Lab in Ames, Iowa for confirmation. Now we can still act on that non-negative and we don't have to wait for those positive results or confirmed results from NVSL, um, but but we do send those off for confirmation. And But our, our non-negative starts the cascade of, of events going forward of how to, how to contain and eradicate that disease from that property. Dr. Rosbert, if, if a test comes back positive, what happens then? Yeah, so that, you know, is most people's kind of you know, worst case scenario, night, you know, worst nightmare sort of thing. Um, and and uh, we can certainly, you know, go through kind of quickly kind of the steps of, you know, what would happen from there. Because a lot of producers are curious. And I, I think it's one of those things where if you're nervous or apprehensive about something, it's just like you want to know, you want to be prepared. And, you know, first and foremost, I want to say, you know, that we are here to to help the producer get through this. Everyone's goal is to, you know, take care of the disease, get rid of it, um, you know, eliminate the virus so that the producer can get on, you know, back to normal production. That's what everyone's plan is. And, you know, depending on the disease, depending on the species, you know, the setup, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into how long that process takes. Um, but basically, if you if you do unfortunately have a non-negative, you know, or positive uh, sample result, you know, if a quarantine hasn't been placed, we're definitely going to be placed in a quarantine. So then that way, you know, we're trying to eliminate the spread of this virus. So you're not going to be able to move product or animals on or off of your farm. And we're going to have uh, lots of people involved, especially, you know, depending on, you know, how how big the scale it is. You know, if you're what we term as like a backyard producer, you've, you know, got a, you know, flock of, of chickens back there. Um, it's obviously going to be very different than, you know, if you're a commercial, you know, layer. Uh, but we're going to have people involved that are going to be able to help, you know, set up and do all the behind the scenes thing as far as indemnity, which is money that uh, producers uh, may be eligible for, uh, for their uh, 
lack of, you know, produce in for the birds or the other animals um, that have to be taken. Uh, so that's going to get set up and there'll be a special person who kind of you know, walks the producers through that process. Um, more often than not, typically, because these are foreign animal diseases and we are trying to eliminate um, and get rid of that virus, uh, it typically means that any of the susceptible species on that premise are depopulated and properly disposed of in a way to, again, prevent that virus from spreading. And then depending on the situation, we're going to go through a period where we are eliminating the virus. For a lot of backyard flocks, that means what we call a fallow period or where they are basically just sitting, you know, because a lot of these people have, you know, a little shed or a little coop out back and they have, you know, their chickens that are going all around and you can't go around and, you know, use bleach or disinfectant and clean every single bit of soil. So uh, a lot of times those backyard producers, we have what's called a fallow period um, where for a certain amount of days, they are not allowed to have any susceptible species. They can't, you know, bring any you know, new birds on or anything like that. They basically just have to sit and then, you know, allow a certain amount of time to pass, you know, so that that virus that's in that environment has nothing to live on, nothing to replicate in, and it will eventually die. Uh, for those um, producers that are, you know, more in the commercial uh, side of things, you know, they're going to be doing various cleaning of their facilities and other steps to, again, you know, eliminate the virus, make sure they've got everything cleaned. And then for those situations, we go in and do environmental testing where we're, you know, going in and, and taking swabs to ensure that, you know, the virus is truly gone or if there is virus there that it's dead virus, it's not viable virus. And then at that point, then we can begin the process of having the producer um, restock. We would release the quarantine, um, they can restock, and then you know, we want them to continue to maintain biosecurity and, and make changes. You know, there's a there's again a person kind of similar to the person who's helping with the indemnity. There's a person who's going to be coming in and kind of looking at it. Um, from a big picture of, you know, what most likely allowed the virus to come in and, you know, what can those that producer do or that, um, you know, backyard uh, flock owner do to help prevent this from happening again. So that's kind of very abbreviated version of that timeline. Thank you, Dr. Rosberg. And as always, we would encourage uh, you to head to ODA's website and our click on our Animal Health Division page, and you can find lots of information and resources um, there as well. Well, I think we kind of have built a good background and foundation for, for all of Ohio when it comes to foreign animal diseases. Dr. Sean Rosberg, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> well, we love having our veterinarian friends on, of course full of knowledge, uh, very important that ODA continue that uh, response planning just for pre prevention and preparedness. Yeah, it is. Uh, I know some of us kind of just fly by the seat of our pants. Is that the saying? Just, you know, <laughs> impromptu. But the Animal Health Division, you know, they they are ready to go at a moment's notice. They have those plans in place um, to, to do a great job in serving all of us throughout the state. We do have more coming up shortly with uh, our Animal Health Division. Dr. Dennis Summers, our state veterinarian, is as hard to pin down as anyone, but we are excited he is going to be joining us and we will cover some more important topics with him, but not before getting to uh, a different division and something that's important as well to uh, ODA. Absolutely. We're talking farmland and we'll talk about it next week. Cultivating Convos is created by ODA's communications team. 
Make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest episodes in your feed and like ODA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for up-to-date news about agriculture in Ohio.